0: But anyway, glad to see everybody here tonight. Uh, many of you probably your first time seeing or hearing Lars. Jackie and I have seen him several times. Jackie first met him oh six or eight years ago, or longer. Uh, in he first came to Enterprise, the United Methodist Church there. I don't remember how many years ago, but that's when Jackie. First, got acquainted with him. Uh, he has been back to see us several times. Uh, last year, he was scheduled to be here, and I don't know if you remember, uh, we had a big storm come in. His flight, uh, he was supposed to fly in, I think, to Panama City. His flight got diverted to Nashville, Tennessee, it was the nearest airport. So, he rented a car, and he drove straight down here and he got here in time or maybe it was seven o'clock or so yeah but we'd already canceled and he understood so yeah anyway Ted Karen and Jackie and I met him for dinner that evening and then he drove on to Donisonville because he has a very good friend there Wayne Worsham so he's been he's been coming there for several years So. Um, Lars uh, lives in Jerusalem. Has been there for, I think, 24 years. Uh, he has quite a story, and I don't know how much he'll share with you tonight. Uh, he is, he is not uh, Jewish, but uh, by the grace of God, he was allowed to become a permanent resident in Israel. So. His message tonight, may or may not be what we thought it might be. <laughs> we, we talked about it, and uh, he said that uh, he wasn't sure that uh, God may have put something different on his heart to bring to us tonight. Uh, but anyway, I know we will all enjoy it, uh, So, and we'll be blessed by what he has to say, so his his ministry is uh, Watchman org, and his uh, he has a Elijah prayer team, prayer army. prayer army. Yeah. Okay. So and uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, his his son-in-law, we met Duran a few years back. He came with him. His his son-in-law is uh, is a native uh, Israeli. Uh, his name is Doron Kedar, and he has uh, a ministry called Cry for Zion, which has to do with the Temple Mount. Uh, and his son, along with uh, one of the one of the Waller brothers, they're they're making a movie, uh, and he can tell you a little more about that. I just heard a little bit about it tonight at the dinner table, so. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, oh Lord, yes, we're waiting on the, the, the old slow computer. You that t- the start, yeah. Uh, if, if, Yes, yeah, so, uh, so anyway, Lars Anderson, uh, welcome to Dothan again, you. so just, speak whatever is on your heart.
1: Thank so. you very
0: much.
1: Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So good to be here and to see you. Like um, Brother Whitaker said last year, uh, I, I tried hard to make it here, but <laughs> it, was, it was not possible to, to come in time for a meeting but this year we worked it out so I'm very happy for that I I want to mention um, that uh, I have some books with me tonight Uh, this is a book that I have written uh, about Jerusalem and it's called the joy of the whole earth Jerusalem and the future of the world Uh, it came out a few years ago and uh, I will say something about Jerusalem tonight for sure I live in Jerusalem uh, so I bring you greetings from God's own city Jerusalem so now we're connected (laughs) I hope we can stay connected so you can uh, get this book it's um, really a study about um, the history and destiny of Jerusalem from the Garden of Eden to Paradise Restored Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22 it goes through the entire Bible so if you don't learn something new about Jerusalem when you read this book you can have your money back (laughs) it's a guarantee I usually give Um, also I want to mention uh, something that you cannot purchase tonight but you can order it online very soon and that is a Bible reading plan that I have developed. I see somebody nodding here you have this one? No? Okay. (laughs) Anybody is following this Bible reading plan called Daily Bread? No? Wow. (laughs) so you can uh, order a case uh, uh, from us and and get started with the new year beginning with Simchat Torah to read through the entire Bible in one year and it's not just a Bible reading plan but it's a journal where you write down what the Lord speaks to you from the scriptures I have followed this uh, for uh, 10 or 11 years now because uh, I felt that there is so much teaching going around and uh, the Lord put on my heart the need to be more careful in my study of the Bible rather than just listening to teachers because I think that is extremely important in these days that we are, that we are not led astray by, by what other people say but that we know what the Bible says. And, You know, the Bible is is so uh, special because uh, whether you are a new believer or you have walked with God all of your life, we all need to feed from what is written in the Bible on a daily basis. Yeshua said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So this is the number one thing for me. Uh, I have followed this, uh, like I said, now for, for 10 or 11 years. And um, before then, I think I had tried to follow different Bible reading plans. But um, it's not something that I brag about. But I, I, I couldn't. <laughs> it didn't work. So that's why I sat down and developed a plan that I, that I believed would work for me. And it has. So I have faithfully read the Bible uh, basically every day for the past 10 years and read through the Bible every year. It follows the biblical calendar and the feasts and the Torah readings every week and then it adds the other parts of the Bible with the Torah sections. You know, the weekly Torah reading, the Parashah is made up of seven different aliyot seven parts so you read one aliyah each day of the week and then you add every day of the week another portion from the prophets from the writings and from the apostles and that way you, you get a balanced diet from the whole word of God on a daily basis Get your vitamins, your proteins, your carbohydrates, your everything, you know, so you can be staying healthy spiritually. Uh, It's just been my lifeline, and I believe it's so important that we we are, uh, like it says in the prayer, that we engross ourselves in the study of the Torah. And the whole Bible is the Torah, it's God's teaching. So it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this book, from Genesis to Revelation, is every word that is God-breathed. It has come from the mouth of God. And we are to live by that word on a daily basis to be strong in these end times. So, like I said, you can order it. Uh, online, or maybe the leadership here can, can order a case for you. Uh, my wife and my daughter and our daughter-in-law, they have also a podcast, a daily podcast called Daily Bread for Busy Moms, where they read these scriptures uh, and you can listen to them if you're very busy, so you don't have time to maybe read for yourself, you can listen to them. And it's allowed, even if you're not a mom, to listen to them. Uh, but it is it is specifically something that they have developed called Daily Bread for Busy Moms. It also, uh, we have it as a uh, an app. My son, who is heading up my uh, media department, don't like me to announce that. But it is for free as an app, too. You can, Uh, Really, the best you can do is to get this one and begin to journal every day what God speaks to you from the Word. It is so powerful. I really strongly recommend that. Then, just in time for my visit, this time to the United States, I came out with a book called Birth, Pangs of Messiah and the Salvation of Israel. I think there are three copies left there, otherwise you have to go online and order that one too. Um, but it's very uh, current about what's going on in Israel and uh, and the prophetic word and, and how to pray. Because I have mainly, um, my ministry is a ministry of prayer. So uh, for free, you can begin to receive my monthly prayer alert in the Elijah prayer army if you rate, write your name and email address and now the sound left
2: mm-hmm. well, I think the they are muting yeah. me
1: They're not connected <laughs> <to each other. laughs> all right do you hear me anyway do you hear yeah, me in the, the back so I can continue to speak oh, and I get the, the sound back hopefully back. soon um, yeah he's working on that so if you write your name and your email address uh, on the sheet back there, and if you write it so that we can read it, <laughs> otherwise it won't help. You know, we don't have the gift of interpretation. I think the batteries Always. may have died in that thing. Quick swap really quick. So it doesn't work? Well, we just need to put batteries in it. Maybe. Huh? I think the batteries died. Oh, really? Yeah. You want to take it off? you had the battery down
2: have
1: you said shalom to your neighbor you can talk to (laughs) so write your name down there and you can begin to read uh, uh, get my monthly prayer alert from jerusalem I I mean, you can order how many you want, but we have a special discount for 50 copies, and that's very, then you get a tremendous good price. Let's try It's uh, less than 50%, I think. Mm -hmm. Let's try this That's good. Yeah, now I'm off. And your presentation's
2: up, too.
1: <laughs> ah, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe I should say a few words about my testimony too, so we can get to know yes. one another. Yes. Uh, I am from Sweden, uh, originally at least. but um, uh, you talk
0: about?
1: Huh? What did you say? I said
0: that's the reason you talk
1: <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the British lady that came to a car dealer in the south, uh, he told me and uh, the car dealer told her, he, he said this to me, you know, he said, Ma'am, I think you have such a beautiful accent. And the lady said, accent? I don't have an accent, you do. <laughs> I know I speak funny, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not from America. Yeah. so. Uh, English is not my mother tongue so I come from Sweden and um, anyway um, God called me and my wife to Israel in 1974 so that's a few few years ago Um, God spoke to me very uh, sovereignly to go to Jerusalem to attend a conference in February of 1974 Mm -hmm. I didn't have any money and I didn't have I was busy in another place but God just worked it out I didn't know anything about Israel I didn't know really why I should go it's just Mm -hmm. something that he told me you should be there and he worked it out and my wife-to-be also came on that tour and the last night we were there, um, we stayed in a hotel up by the Mediterranean in Haifa. And I asked her if she could take a walk with me. Um, I had actually proposed to her and she had said, absolutely, no. <laughs> <laughs> in a very unclear way and uh, just forget about it, so. But I asked her to if she wanted to come with me and she did. And We walked and walked and it was a beautiful evening and we came all the way down to the Mediterranean. We sat down on two rocks and started to look out over the sea and all of a sudden I was gone. I was in a different world. And I knew that my wife was sitting next to me. I mean, there was just, I said, if she doesn't get it in 10 years, it's okay, but I know that she is my wife and that we are called to this land. And we thought we would move there. And God spoke to her as well. So we thought uh, we would move within a year. And uh, you know, we would get all of Israel saved. And then Yeshua would come the next year. Probably, and so. <laughs> but it didn't work that way. But we knew all, all, all along that that was our calling. And 21 years later, we visited Jerusalem and Israel many times during that time. You have to understand when we came the first time like i said i didn't know anything about this right so but if the 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 land just there was something that was just uh, uh touched my heart I, I just knew that i was in a place where god is at work and that is god's land so it took me well at least five, six years for me to try to figure out why I began to, on a journey to discover and um, then 21 years later we came on a tour that we led to Israel and we said let's go down to see if we can find the place where we sat 21 years earlier and sure enough we found the place and we sat down again and then God said now is the time we were living in the United States at that time and uh, when we came back we were living in Mississippi so it's not so far from here (laughs) Um, so we said this is not our home anymore God is now directing us to move to Israel and it took two years for us to prepare for that move for God to open up the door and uh, so in 1997, we moved there. And uh, God has just been faithful. I, I said to God, if we are called to be there, I'm not going to try to sneak in through the door, you know, just to see if I can. I said, I, you have to open it wide. I want to go in with my whole family. If you have called me, I want, to, want the door to be wide open. And he has been very faithful. And that's what we are, he has done. And, We've uh, been there, like I said, for 24 years, and we have residency, even though we don't, we're not Jewish. So we live in the heart of Jerusalem right now, at the, at the, on the same street as the Prime Minister. So if we can start a stone throw away from, from uh, on Balfour Street. <coughs> and that's pretty interesting, because over the past year, there has been demonstrations every week outside of Prime Minister, Netanyahu's uh, home, and it's been quite annoying. So when we were coming now this time to the United States, um, my wife she wanted to uh, get seats on the airplane a little bit further up. So we called up to the company, and there was an Israeli there. So she was very like Israelis are. You you already have seats. You don't you don't need. Yeah, but we want to move up a little bit, you know. Why, you know? <laughs> well, we just want to. Okay, so she got new seats and it cost a little bit and so she was going to take her name and address and, uh, and she said, on 4th Street? You live just next to Netanyahu? Well, I'm, I'm gonna give it to you for free. I mean, you have had all these people <laughs> screaming outside of your house for a whole year. <laughs> Not been able to go to sleep well at night, so we'll give it to you without cost. So that's nice. <laughs> now we have a new prime minister, and um, we're not sure it's so much better. Uh, it's funny because they have been demonstrating outside and on the street every week. And I, in the beginning, I was quite annoyed. So there were some of these people who came with their banners, you know, against Netanyahu. So I tried to, to uh, for two of them, I, I tried to challenge them a little bit. So I, uh, because they have been annoying me, so I thought I could annoy them a little bit. <laughs> so when I, when I walked by, I, I said, go, B.B. go. <laughs> and they thought I meant that he should go, so they said, yeah. <laughs> so he backfired, but I'm glad because they might have hit me or or knock me over otherwise (laughs) let's go to the scriptures we have that's a picture of my uh, my book the joy of the whole earth let's see this gonna work like that there we have it let's go to Psalm 122 Psalm 122, and uh, we're going to read from verse 6. You've probably heard this verse in, uh, in the Bible before. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Many have heard that before. pray for the peace of Jerusalem and then it says may they be secure who loves you I think you can agree with me that we're living in very difficult times very uncertain times it's not like it used to be It is, uh, and it, and I don't think it's going to necessarily become easier I think we're in for a pretty rough ride but isn't it a wonderful promise when it says may they be secure who loves you Jerusalem our hearts needs to be where God's heart is this is God's throne in the earth and uh, So I'm going to say a little bit about that, but let's pray before I do that so we can ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. I usually say this, that if you hear me, you will be informed and that's, that can be all right. But if you can hear from God, you will be transformed. That's the difference because if you can hear what God is saying to you through what I'm saying. You're not just listening to me. You're listening to Him. And you will not be the same. You will be changed. When you leave here, you will be different from when you came. So shall we pray for that? That God will speak to each and every one of us. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this night. And thank you for these people who have come here tonight to hear from you. And I pray that you will lead me by your Holy Spirit to speak from your heart. That you will give me your words to speak and I pray that each and everyone in this room will have ears to hear what the spirit is saying to his people in this hour change us forever through the power of your word open up the scriptures to us tonight and speak to us We ask it in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to uh, Isaiah chapter 62. Actually, before I do, uh, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 5. Ezekiel chapter 5. And verse 5 there it says thus says the Lord God this is Jerusalem I have set her in the center of the nations with countries all around her this is God's perspective of the earth God has placed Jerusalem at the center of the earth with nations all around and if you go to Isaiah 62 um, it says in the first verse for Zion's sake I will not keep silent and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch so this is where history is moving towards It is moving towards the revelation of God's presence and his glory in this place that you see here. And what is going to happen is that Yeshua is going to sit down there on the throne of his father David to rule the nations. Ah. How about that? I think think he's better than Trump. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes. We are waiting for the righteous one to take up his throne in Jerusalem. And he is seated right now at the right hand of the father waiting for the command with the long shofar to return in, in his father's glory to take up his throne in Jerusalem hallelujah let's go back to uh, Ezekiel again in chapter 43 I think it's so encouraging to read about this Ezekiel chapter 43 And, and it says let's begin to read from verse 1 Ezekiel chapter 43, then he led me to the gate, the gate facing east. You see, is there a pointer on this one? it is, right? Yeah. The gate facing east here. Um, you see, this temple mount here, right here, uh, it was enlarged by King Herod to become this platform that you see here. It was extended here on the southern end and it was extended in the western end here. This is the western wall that you are familiar with. And it was extended by Herod also in the north. But here in the east it was not possible to extend it because the ravine is too deep here. So this eastern, part of the eastern wall here is the same, has the same foundation, I should say, as the original temple in the uh, days of Solomon. And that's why the first uh, assembly, the first believers, it says they gathered in Solomon's portico that was here around the eastern gate because Solomon's portico was called so because this wall remained from the days of Solomon so this is the eastern gate it says here and that he led me to the gate the gate facing east and behold the glory of the God of Israel you know Yeshua is saying I'm going to return in the power or in my father's glory with all the angels with him and behold the glory of the God uh, of Israel was coming from the east it's from this direction here this is the Mount of Olives this is why they have all these graves here because they this is where Yeshua would put his feet in Acts chapter 1, I read it this morning because it was part of the daily Bible reading today from Acts 1 that uh, he, put, he led his disciples out here to the mountain to the east and then he took off and he was taken up into heaven and the angel stood there and said why are you looking up to heaven this same Yeshua is going to return in the same way He's going to come in the same way that you saw him leave. So he's going to come with his father's glory here from the east. All right. Um, And the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters. And the earth shone with his glory. Keep a finger there and go to 2nd 2 the Thessalonians I love this expression in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where it says um, in verse 8 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8 and then the lawless one it's in, uh, named for the well, is more commonly known as the antichrist is the lawless one the lawless one will be revealed, and we believe we're living on the threshold of that right now whom the Lord Yeshua will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing or destroy by the the appearance of his coming or I think the New King James says by the brightness of his appearing <laughs> you see the whole earth was shone uh, it, with, uh, with his glory this brightness of, of his glory that he is going to come with is going to destroy the Antichrist wow. <laughs> I mean that's power <laughs> it's just going to destroy him wiping off with the breath of his mouth all right verse 3 and the vision I saw was uh, I'm back now in Ezekiel chapter 43 and the vision I saw was just like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city just like the vision that I had seen by the Kebar Canal and I fell on my face as the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing east. By the way, there is a rumor going around. I I don't think probably people here that you believe in this, but some people are trying to claim that the temple was not here, but it it was further down here. Anybody read that book by Bob (laughs) Carluck?
2: It's
1: a bunk. Uh, it's anti-Semitic, it's really it's really bad. Anyway, this is where the where the Holy of Holies was, mm-hmm. right under the golden cupola. And will be. Sorry? And will be. And will be. There is a there is a Dutch cartographer that has taken pictures from satellites, through satellites with it revealing the imprints of where the ark stood you know it with an inch exactness exactly where the ark of the covenant stood right there so it's going to come through the gate facing east (laughs) hallelujah oh glory to God as the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing east the spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court and behold the glory of the Lord filled the temple and then it says in verse 6 while the man was standing beside me I heard one speaking to me out of the temple the temple is going to be the house of God is going to be restored here Um, and he said to me son of man this is the place this is the place right here of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the people of Israel forever." How's that? (laughs) May they be secure who love you. I mean, who love this place, who love God's city. Let's go to Psalm one hundred and thirty two. Now let's go to Psalm forty eight first. Psalm forty eight. Psalm forty (coughs)
2: eight.
1: It says, A song, a song of the Sons of Korah. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Um, in the city of our God, his holy mountain. You see, this this is the city of our God right there. All right? Because it's his holy mountain. Um, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of the whole earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Let me see. I think I have that scripture here. Yeah. Greatness, Lord, and great to be praised. In the city of our God, his holy mountain. It's the joy of all the earth, Mount Zion, in the far north, the city of the great king. That's the chapters in my book. We don't have to look at that, but that's an exciting book. Here is where Jerusalem began with under King David. What was called the city of Jebus. Um, If we go back. You? Knew? It's gonna so, oh, yeah. so I went to the So I back again. There. Oh, I don't want this type of... How do we fix that? You can do it? That's right. Give him an applause. Huh? <laughs> 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 Just yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, I can fix that, I think. Listen. Yeah. See? Yay! Yay. <laughs> Together, we are doing good, right? So, anybody who has been in the city of David? Some of you. Wow. Great. I love it. So here is actually here, a little bit stretching down here. Here is where Jerusalem began under King David. And then Solomon extended it north to build the temple here on the threshing floor of Araunah. Because that's where the angel uh, stood when God heard the prayers of his people and stopped the plague. So King David said, here is where the altar of Israel it will be. And here's where the temple is going to be. It was north of the city of David. So that's why it says here in, in uh, that's an interesting picture, by the way. You know, this is a mezuzah, right? With the sheep. God has placed his name in Jerusalem forever. This is the Temple Mount with the Holy of Holies right there. The City of David here. This is the Kidron Valley. This is the, it uh, has different names, the Central Valley or Cheesemakers Valley. This is the Hinnom Valley. It makes up the letter Sheen for God's holy name. Isn't that exciting, huh? Okay then so here is where David built his palace and right above here the Gihon Spring. and then um, Solomon extended it to the north and built his palace and the temple here so this is the throne of the Lord here's where Solomon sat down in, on the throne of his father David at the right hand of God. And uh, uh, so, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of the whole earth. Mount Zion in the far north. This has always been the most northern part of Jerusalem from the very beginning. Even during the time of Hezekiah, when the city was extended westward, the temple was still the most northern part. And here is in the time of Yeshua. And then they began to include this section here. And yet, in Jerusalem, this was the Temple Mount, the most northern place. And um, going back to Psalm 122, I want you to become familiar with Jerusalem because this is where a heart needs to be. Uh, it says from the beginning, of verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's go back here. I want us to see that. There, Solomon's time, right? Okay. So, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And then it says in verse 3 here, Jerusalem is built as a city that is bound firmly together. So Jerusalem had from the beginning two parts, the original and then the city of the great king, Mount Zion. But it is combined together into making one city. It is built firmly together. That's what it's referring to in Psalm 122 this part is called the Ophan and these Solomonic city walls have been dug out partly that you can see when you when you visit Jerusalem it's exciting but here is what is called Mount Zion I want us to look at this actually this part here. This is the time of Yeshua. And today, hmm, let's see, even, let's look at the the picture of today's old city. Sorry, I have to, Mm -hmm. lots of pictures here. Sorry, I have to go. here is the old city today you see this is the old city walls today because after the time of Yeshua the city that had been like this it extended northward before it was destroyed so the city walls that you see around the old city looks like this but the original Jerusalem was outside of the old city walls here. And then this is where King Solomon extended it with the temple right there. And he combined the city of the great king with the city of David to make it one city firmly joined together. But today, this wall here. Uh, that extends to the south it has this is the dun gate where you go when you want to visit the western wall here and then if you go up to this western hill here you have what is today called the zion gate but that is very misleading because uh, the biblical zion was not here in the western part of the city Biblical Mount Zion is God's holy hill, it's the Temple Mount. It's important to have that understanding when you read the Bible because Mount Zion is, so, is uh, such a common phrase in the scriptures. It is not what is today called Mount Zion here. It was the Crusaders that began to call this hill here Mount Zion. Because it's much higher than the Temple Mount. Um, But, you know, God said in the Torah that you're not to worship me the way that the Gentiles worship their gods. They do it on the high hills Mm -hmm. and under every green tree. So the Temple Mount is not the highest place. You have two shoulders surrounding the Temple Mount you have the Mount of Olives here and the western hill here. And then there are valleys in between and then you have a hill here that is lower than the surrounding mountains. And this was actually prophesied (coughs) in in the Torah. If we go to, let's see here, let's go to the blessing of the tribes in Deuteronomy. And I want to go back to see some, not here. This is a picture showing actually the elevation that you don't think about so many times. This is the highest place right there. Yeah. And here, approximately here, in bit south or maybe even there, is where the altar stood. That was the threshing floor of Araunan just east of the highest spot. So the angel of the Lord stood there and and, then the threshing floor. Because when they threshed the grain in biblical times they threw it up into the air and then the wind blew the chaff and the grain fell down. So if you did that on the highest spot, the wind would be too strong, and even it would blow away the grain. So you have to have, because the wind is usually coming from the west. So what you do is you go just below the highest point to the east, and that is the way you can separate the wheat from the chaff when you throw it up into the air, all right? In Deuteronomy, let's go to the, uh, the blessings of the tribes. It's interesting to see here what it says about Benjamin. Maybe some of you can help me find where it talks about Benjamin. Yeah. Judah, maybe Benjamin in verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 33 from verse 12. It says, of so Benjamin he said, I'm going to go back. Here you see it it's better here you see the Mountain of the Lord I think the batteries maybe, okay here's the Mountain of the Lord but it's surrounded by the Mount of Olives to the east and the Western Hill as it's called to the west and here you have the Kidron Valley and some remains for what used to be the Central Valley and then you have the the you kingdom got 40 G. anyway if you read in verse 12 here of deuteronomy 33 it says of benjamin he said the beloved of the lord talking about the messiah dwells in safety the high god surrounds him all day long he dwells between his shoulders You see that the border between Benjamin and Judah goes up here right to part of the Temple Mount here and then goes down with the Kidron Valley and up and and all here. So this and this is uh, to the west of the here is Benjamin. Uh, I should say this whole area here, up to the Hinnom Valley. So the western hill and the Mount of Olives are in the territory of Benjamin, and they are forming what it says here, shoulders, <laughs> shoulders surrounding the throne of the Lord where the Messiah will be, that the love of the Lord shall dwell between the shoulders of Benjamin. Hallelujah. that was already prophesied in uh, the blessings that Moses gave to the tribes that this was the place and this was the place where the beloved of the Lord would find his throne was the pursuit that King David had to find that place and according to tradition he saw that in the Torah with the help of uh, samuel when he fled from Saul, they read the torah together and saw that the beloved of the lord the messiah would dwell between the shoulders of benjamin the walls here that, that will surround the throne of the lord hallelujah psalm 132 that's what i said we were going before psalm 132 <coughs> from verse 1. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the Mighty One of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. So uh, a dwelling place or it can also be translated a resting place because up to that time uh, the God of Israel had moved from place to place with the ark that moved with the tent, with the tabernacle but David said in his heart that I want to find where the resting place will be, where God will settle down to be with his people. And that's what he, when he finally went, when he became king over all of Israel, he immediately moved from Hebron in the south up to the city of David here, the stronghold of Zion. And he captured it because he knew about this place between the shoulders of of Benjamin but he didn't had not found the exact location of the resting place of the Lord until the angel answered him when he came to the threshing floor of Ramah because the prophet Nathan told him or I think it was Gab actually who told him that you are to build an altar to to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ramah and that's when the angel put his. Sword back and spared the city and David said now I have found the place this is where he is going to be hallelujah and that place uh, I want to say something about the name of Jerusalem because from the beginning the first name of Jerusalem was just Salem or Shalem in Hebrew That's where Melchizedek was king of Shalem, of Salem. And he met uh, somewhere here. He was living in the original Jerusalem and met Abraham with bread and wine when he came back from the war uh, when he had rescued Lot. So he was king of Shalem, of Salem, Shalem. but. if you go to genesis chapter 22 and read the story about the binding of isaac mm-hmm. um, it says that let's begin in the beginning of the chapter genesis chapter 22. this is the final test that abram went through his 10th test and after this he was called the friend of god god swore his faithfulness to Abraham and his seed forever after this incident. Verse 1 After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said here I am. He said take your son, your only son Isaac whom you love. Remember that Abraham had two sons at this time but yet the Lord said take your son, your only son the phrase there maybe some of you can recognize from another verse in the bible right it reminds us of john three sixteen, for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son mm-hmm. and this is one of the few places that it, uh, the word is mentioned in, in the, the torah which means the only one it, it's not something that you can divide it's just one Echad means compound unity that can be something that is brought together to be one. But yachid is, you cannot divide it. It's just one in its uh, absolute form. Take your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Abraham lived in Beersheba at this time, in the south of Israel. So Abraham rose, er, rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, he cut the, the tree for the burnt offering. The same word that is used about the, the tree that Messiah uh, was executed on, crucified take the wood for the burnt offering and, a, and he arose and went to the place on which God had told him this is a key phrase here in this story the place There was a special place that God had um, uh, for, for Abraham and it says in the next verse verse 4 on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw what did he see he saw the place amen from afar then Abraham said to his young man stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again soon you see this is Mount Moriah but he was to go to the land of Moriah which is this region here with many hills but when on the third day he lifted up his eyes he came from the south down here below And he looked and he saw, this is the place. He saw the place. And it is in this story where it later on said, you know, um, so let's read on in the text here, verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Notice he says, we will come. Abraham had faith in the resurrection and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering he took the tree he took the cross if you would and laid it on Isaac his son and he took his hand in his hand the fire and the knife so they went both of them together and Isaac said to his father Abraham my father and he said here I am my son he said behold the fire and the wood but where is the lamb? for a burnt offering. Abraham said, this is important, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar here. Here's on Mount Moriah. He built on the altar there. According to tradition, it's the exact same place where the altar lay, there and stood hallelujah and he laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son Which you know in the Hebrew for the binding of Isaac here is a word that is never used anywhere else in the entire Hebrew Bible the binding of Isaac and the medieval uh, Jewish commentator Rashi says that that binding of Isaac was done in such a way that both his hands and his feet were bound together behind his back so that he could not move because if Isaac had moved he would have resisted the knife and become unfit as a sacrifice so that's why he was asked to be bound in that way and Rashi says afterwards you could see the marks on Isaac's hands and his feet. <laughs> this is Rashi. I mean, he doesn't believe in the <laughs> in the New Testament or the not but it's so vivid here. So God will provide okay, he laid him on the top of the wood, then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, God said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So God would respond in kind by sending his only begotten son. Hallelujah. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. That's where we get the shofar from the horn of the ram, the ram's horn that was caught in the thicket here. And. Uh, and the name in Hebrew there, the word in Hebrew for is the same word that is used about the crown of thorns on Yeshua's head. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. Yod, he, bab, he, yireh. Okay? So that's the first part from that time it says he called the name of that place Yireh it was before it was called Shalem now it became called Yerushalem the place where God will provide peace Shalem means peace or wholeness and that's where he provided the sacrifice instead of Isaac and that's where you know this mountain here is where Yeshua Uh, also in connection with this mountain I should say probably where more like where uh, Abraham saw the ram Uh, that's where he also provided the sacrifice for the sins of the world that's where God provided the answer to the prayer of David this is the mountain where the Lord would provide it can also be translated of course you know That the Lord, the place where God will be seen. He will come and be seen. So it is the place where God's salvation will be seen in the end times through the return of Messiah. And he will provide peace for the whole world when he establishes his throne here on his holy mountain. That is the city of the great king. So that's why we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Now we're living, you know, on the mouth of Elul, where we blow the shofar, waiting for that final shofar that will sound from heaven to announce the coming of the Messiah, to provide salvation, the ultimate, final salvation for the whole world. This is what Yeshua is looking forward to. This is what the father is looking forward to this is what we should be looking forward to that's why we should pray day and night for the peace of jerusalem and if we do if we love that this place where god is going to provide salvation for a whole world that is going crazy amen and it's going to destroy the lives of the enemy with a breath from his mouth the sword that would proceed from his mouth and his glory is going to wipe out the Antichrist. Hallelujah. I hope you love this. So and we're going to go back to Isaiah 62 where we started. <clears throat> Why we need to pray? Because for Zion's sake I will not keep silent and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation As a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness. And all the kings. Your glory. And you shall be called by a new name. That the mouth of the Lord will give. Hallelujah. It's so wonderful. And if if you skip down to verse 6. It says on your walls. O Jerusalem. And this is my challenge to you here tonight. God says. I have placed watchmen. and all the day and all the night they shall never be silent you who put the Lord in remembrance take no rest you who remind the Lord of his promise for this place take no rest for yourself and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and make it a praise in all the earth this is what we're waiting for and we need to be faithful as watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem to pray for the peace of Jerusalem to call out for him him to restore his throne in the earth. Hallelujah. And those who love Jerusalem and pray for the peace of Jerusalem shall be secure in these times and times of trouble. I'm going to say something also about the two last verses here in Isaiah 62 because I want you to see this very important behold the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth now he's speaking not to the center of the earth what is the center? Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I placed Jerusalem in the center of the earth with nations all around But here he is speaking to the ends of the earth and the ends of the earth from Jerusalem is north south west and east those are the ends of the earth from Jerusalem that means that God is speaking to my country Sweden which is north it's one of the ends from Jerusalem It's north and he's speaking to you in the west you are the west from Jerusalem what does he say It says you are to say to the daughter of Zion you are to proclaim to Zion behold your salvation comes who is the salvation Yeshua he means the Lord's salvation or the Lord is salvation the ends of the earth in the end times are going to proclaim that salvation to Zion Come on, let's get with it. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. And then it says, and behold, his, that is the Messiah,
1: his the salvation, his reward is with him. Listen up, there's going to, he's going to have a reward, a harvest of those who have come to faith in him from the ends of the earth. They are going to demonstrate. The salvation that Jerusalem is looking for this is God's program I think this is so exciting behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him his recompense can also be translated his work is before him we are the his handiwork we are the new creations that he has that he has made if you are in the Messiah you are a new creation you are his workmanship and we he's going to have a marvelous work to display to Jerusalem to Zion from the ends of the earth hallelujah now it doesn't look like that today (laughs) wow it doesn't look too good but God is going to do it because that is his program and that's why we need to pray. You see, when I traveled now from I was in Colorado, Colorado Springs last week, um, on Friday morning when I was catching a flight, the fly first to the Ozarks and then coming from there uh, here, God woke me up with this passage from Luke chapter five and John twenty one about the miraculous catch I was so excited. We will go to Luke chapter 5 and let's see what it says there um it says about Yeshua in verse 3 getting into one of the boats which was Simon's he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat and when he had finished speaking he said to Simon put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch and Simon answered Shimon Master we have toiled all night and took nothing I, I have a sense this is what has been going on for a long time we have not had much of a success we toiled all night and took nothing but at your word hallelujah I will let down the nets and when they had done so this they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sing this was in the beginning of Yeshua's ministry when he called the disciples he called them through a miraculous catch after they had worked all night and they caught nothing all of a sudden they had so much fish they could uh, hardly uh, contain all the fish now at the end of Yeshua's ministry just before he went back up uh, into heaven in uh, John chapter 21 the same thing happens again alright alright Um, John chapter 21 uh, after this verse 1 Yeshua revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias and he revealed himself in this way Shimon Kepha Thomas called the twin Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together and Shimon Kepha said to them I am going fishing they said to him we will go with you They went out and got into the boat and that night, what does it say, they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Yeshua stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Yeshua and Yeshua said to them, children, do you have any fish? Ah, professional (laughs) fishermen, sure, we know how to fish. Now it was very embarrassing they answered him no he said to them cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some so they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish a miraculous catch again I believe that Yeshua's ministry in the earth through his disciples it began with the miraculous catch in the book of acts and it's going to end again with a miraculous catch in the end times and it's going to start this time not in jerusalem it's going to end in jerusalem it's going to start at the ends of the earth in the north in the south and the west and the east what is going on right now in the world is shaking the world to its foundations and let me tell you there are many people who realize that something really bad is going on but they are looking for the answer and we have the answer we need to give the right message where this all is going and i believe if we do if we cast up the nets based on his word the revelation we have of the prophetic word we are going to receive a miraculous catch I am convinced of that when God called me into the ministry he spoke to me something that I am still waiting for Um, I was involved in the ministry in the beginning of the 70s that was not my own I was helping out and but then in 1977 he called me into my own ministry and at that time he spoke to me and said because I was longing so much to see a revival when people are getting saved and I cried out to God because in the early 70s I was part of the Jesus movement when we saw so many young people coming to faith but in 1977 this had stopped and I began to cry out to God from the depths of my heart God I will not let you go until I see you send a revival again and when I said those words God interrupted me and he said this I am going to send a revival that is going to be much greater than anything you have ever seen before in history I was, I mean that's not what I prayed for but that's what God said but then he said, but this is only going to take place to the same extent that you pray so I said, okay if that's what you're saying now I know what you want me to do so that's when he called me into the ministry there is going to be a miraculous catch. I have been waiting for this now for 44 years. And as the world is getting unhinged, <coughs> the, the seed is being set for a miraculous catch. Amen. How <laughs> that is going to proclaim salvation to Zion? Because it says in Romans 11 that all of Israel is going to be saved, but before that happens, there is going to be a fullness of the Gentiles. We are going to see a fullness come in from the Gentiles that is going to bring about salvation for Israel and the return of the Messiah. I believe with all my heart we're living on the threshold of this mighty move of God. I just visited, like I said, the Ozarks last week. And I found out that there has moved in to the area around um, Springfield where I was speaking. There has moved in in the past few years approximately listen 70,000 Torah keepers oh, to that earth. you go into any store and you see this tzitzit hanging everywhere God is about to do something new but right now to be honest I think it's a mess a, a big mess because it was very difficult for me to speak there I think that the, what we have called the Hebrew Roots Movement or whatever is the most divided movement probably in the history of the world where there's doctrines going here and there in every direction and I was reminded you know what happened in the early 1700s Believers protestants in Europe were persecuted by the Catholic Church and many of them ended up in southern Germany on a big estate owned by a rich man called Count von Sinzendorf. He had become a believer and he was very wealthy and he opened up his estate for all of these protestants who were running away from persecution from the catholic church but the problem was after a while he got he got so fed up because all of these protestants they came with the different doctrines and they couldn't agree and they were bickering and they were arguing doctrines all day long and finally come from Sinsenorf had enough so he called for a prayer meeting that they started with with, uh, a communion service and from that moment The spirit of God fell and they began a prayer meeting that lasted non-stop 24 hours a day for 100 years and from that company of persecuted believers that were so carnal and divided they were fused together in the love of God and they spread the gospel from their prayer meeting to every continent on the globe within 25 years without any modern communication without radio without television without any steamboats with just by traveling on foot or on going on board ships Within 25 years, including Greenland, including the in Far East, every continent of the globe was reached by the gospel. And let me tell you, you can trace every revival in the world from the 1700s back to that prayer meeting on Conference in St. Dorsey State one of the first converts was John Wes- Wesley, and from John Wesley. I mean it began to take off even more because he encountered some of these what they were called uh, Moravians on a ship over to America and John Wesley was a preacher but he was not born again and he got scared when they ended up into a storm and he saw these Moravians on the same boat they were not scared at least they had the peace of God there he said have something that I need and that brought about his salvation and he became the forerunner of what was later on all the revivals around the world I believe that God is going to do something similar and you are part of it here in the west because if you look in 1st Timothy chapter 1 I hope I can finish here now uh, even though I have much to say but 1st Timothy chapter 1 I have been part of this Hebrew Roots Movement now for about 20 years and I have a word to speak to all of us and that's what Paul is writing here in 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 3 as I urge you when I was going to Macedonia remain remained at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. And then he says in verse 5, the aim of our charge, of our, of our preaching, what is it? Love. It is love. The aim of our preaching is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith this is what the purpose is for the Torah and if we don't have this we don't have what the Torah is all about this is the standard that we have to be measured by if what we're doing just causing speculations and and discussions and and, uh, various doctrines without the order that is coming from God through faith we're totally missing it the aim of our church is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith certain persons by swerving from this into all kinds of theories and and exciting stuff and speculations and oh have you heard this and have you heard this and this fantastic and blah 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 okay it can be very fantastic it can be encouraging but get with the program it is to encounter god in his love that breaks our hearts that we begin to love our fellow
2: man
1: certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion desiring to be teachers of the Torah without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. That's a pretty good description about much of this movement that I've been a part of. But we are in, you see, when we're children, we are selfish, but we need to grow up. We need to feed on the pure milk of the Word. We are on the right track, but we don't have it really together yet. And we are not really a good example, neither for the rest of the church, nor for Israel. We don't have much of a good testimony, but wait till we really get it right. One of those reasons is if we really begin to dig deep into the scriptures ourselves, instead of just listening to the most spectacular teaching going around from the teacher so-and-so and begin to encounter God on a personal basis on our knees in prayer. That's what happened to the Moravians in the 1700s and it exploded from there. And I'm waiting for that. I believe that God has brought these Tzitzit people (laughs) and Torah keepers from all over the world. I mean, I was there and I met the people and they, they said, you know, I just moved here from California. No, I just moved here from Oregon. I moved here from Texas. Literally, I heard all those things when I spoke to the people. 35,000 of them have moved there within the past two years. And one of them that spoke prophetically about this was David Wilkerson before he died. He said, things are going to go so crazy in America, that people are going to flee both the East and the West Coast, and they are going to begin to assemble in the center and primarily in the Ozarks. I think God is up to something, but we need to get it right by really having our lives changed by the power of the Word of God and encountering Him by getting to know Him. You know, it says uh, in, in 1 John chapter 5 uh, that um, I, I think it's so wonderful. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, rather, from verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love, I don't care if he knows the Torah backwards and forwards. If he does not love, he does not know God. Because God is love. Let me just give a very short testimony what happened to me many years ago. I was living in Chicago before we just moved to Israel. And at that time I had not entered into the Torah or anything, but I was reading uh, in the book of Leviticus. I had started in the 1st of January beginning to want to read through the Bible. And like I said, I never, <laughs> I never uh, was able to finish it. But Genesis was okay exodus is over you know it's okay but then i'd come to leviticus and one morning i said to god really to be honest i don't get much out of this (laughs) and god rebuked me so strongly right away and he said sternly to me get down on your knees and read so i got down on my knees and i did continue to read and within minutes, I think it was even second, tears were beginning to stream down my face. I was totally broken by the revelation of God's love. In the very same passage that I did not receive anything, I tell you God's love is everywhere in the Scriptures. And I read about, you know, just weight and measures and all this and I just saw, it's because God loves us so much that He's very strict that we deal with each other in the right way. So after I read the, the, the Bible that morning, I went to Office Max, I think it was, to get something for my office. And on the way back, I discovered when I drove my car that the lady had given me eight cents too much back in change. I didn't even have time to think. I just put the brakes on the car and turned around because I couldn't keep that. I just read the holiness of God was upon me I cannot keep these eight cents I went back and gave it back I said you gave me eight cents to me too much and she looked like I don't know why, you know, whatever but it was because the word of God had pricked me that's what needs to happen with us when we read the scriptures in order to to practice what it says and be very careful with how we live to love one another. Shall we pray for that miracle, friends, in our lives? That we can shine as lights in this dark world, that they will see our good works, not our, you know, fantastic teachings, but they can see our good works and begin to glorify our Father in heaven. We have come into this with the Torah. We need to begin to take responsibility for it by becoming true children of God behaving like God yes. has. hallelujah, hallelujah. because there, God is going to do a mighty work from the ends of the earth and it's going to be centered around Jerusalem I will quit I promise you uh, but r- let's read finish the verse that I I was uh, in there in Isaiah chapter 62 Satan The Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion. I'm telling you. Israel and Jerusalem is looking for salvation. Probably Israel is more deceived today. Than any other nation in the world. With this COVID stupidity. They are running into a dead end. Regardless of the rabbis that know the Torah back and forth. say to the daughter of Zion behold your salvation comes because the fullness of the Gentiles must come first and so all Israel shall be saved behold his reward is with him and his work (laughs) before him verse 12 and they shall be called the holy people we're going to be a holy people living right the redeemed of the Lord and you Jerusalem shall be called sought out because our eyes are going to be on Zion where he will return Hmm. a city not forsaken let's pray Father we thank you for your plan of salvation that you have proclaimed and ordained from the foundation of the world and you are about to bring it all to a close and a consummation before our very eyes we believe that we're living right now on the threshold of the we, we can hear the footsteps of the Messiah as he is about to return and father I ask that you will do a deep work in our lives we we lay ourselves on the altar as a living sacrifice let your fire fall let the word of God the sword pierce our hearts deeply and break us until we worship you in purity from the depths of our hearts and we can become shining examples of your Torah in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Mm -hmm. Keep us on the right path, I pray. Bless your people here in Dalton, Alabama. I pray that you will do a deep work in each of our lives and that we can begin to deeply love one another in the power of your spirit. We know we cannot fulfill the Torah without your grace, without your spirit. We cannot do the good works that will cause people to praise you when they see what we're doing. But we ask, get to work in our lives. Do a quick work. And let us be part of that big, miraculous catch that is going to proclaim salvation to Zion in these end times. Yeshua's name. pray. Let's just stay a little bit uh, before the Lord here. Let's just let him uh, work in us The commitment to follow him more closely, to get to know him more intimately, to walk with him like Abraham did, like David, like Daniel like Yeshua to be more like Him God we we cry out to you change us to be like you don't give up even though we are stubborn rebellious so many times do a mighty work and begin with me Begin with us here tonight in Dalton, Alabama. I ask it all in the name of Yeshua. Satisfy the deep longing of our hearts to become like you. Master Yeshua, we want to be your disciples, to follow you closely. And we long for that day when you shall return and take up your throne on your holy mountain in Jerusalem. Let that day come soon, I pray.
3: You appreciate Lars tonight. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, thank you all for coming tonight and supporting him and listening to him and being attentive. And, uh, you know, a some, some couple of t- takeaways I have from his talk tonight is that in 2021 and really into the subsequent years, we should be in more careful study of Scripture than listening to a multitude of teachers. And that really resonated with me, thank you. Um, and that, you know, we went through some passages, Psalm 122, Isaiah 62, Ezekiel 43, 2 Thessalonians 2, and so on, that Jerusalem should be our focus. And, you know, especially what we see going on in current events right now in the news, and, and kingdoms changing hands so quickly. This world is so fleeting, and the kings of this world are so temporary. But the King of Kings is soon returning, right? And, um, and in the meantime, until his return, he, he cited 1 Timothy 1.3, that the aim of our preaching should be love from a pure heart and sincere faith. And uh, thank you so much. All that really resonated with me and, and convicted me, and I hope it did you as well. Um, so I wanted to open up this time, if, if you um, will allow us, Lars, for about four or five questions. I know... Um, you guys maybe have school night or whatever you, you got to be, but um, if you're willing to stick around and ask him four or five questions or or give him some feedback, um, maybe he could answer those at best of his ability. Um, but please um, look into his books and, and order those books. Um, we may look into buying a couple cases of those those uh, journals, maybe men and women versions that we can go through. Um, but what questions do you guys have? I'm going to step over here to let, let him talk, but... Anybody have any questions? Yeah, Tony.
2: I, can, Shalom, uh, yeah.
1: I just want to say that you heard from the Lord hmm. because I didn't speak that outright but that's what God is saying to what I was trying to say wonderful Beautiful.
3: any other questions or comments you guys want to add and maybe daily life in Jerusalem what is it like in, to live there
0: Hey, that
2: gold
1: thing up on the Boy, is that a mosque? Or kind of it is not a mosque, it is more like a monument. Uh, the mosque is is uh, the main mosque is this silver dome here uh, where they have a mosque. They don't pray in here. This is more like a monument to uh, from the beginning actually to mark the place where Solomon's Temple stood and and, uh, there are even um, historic accounts believe it or not that the Muslims actually built this for the Jews because the Jewish people helped the Muslims to take Jerusalem from the Christians when they came and as a reward they built this structure here that was a wood from the beginning. And it, it has not, this present one here is is from the end of the 600s. Uh, uh, at least 50 years after the conquest of Jerusalem. So, but that, it marks the place where the rock was. But of course, the, the Muslims, they give another take on it now. They say this is the rock. That from which Muhammad went up into heaven. And he met uh, uh, Moses and uh, David and uh, Noah and And Yeshua and all these people and God said, you are my final revelation, you know, because he he said he built his, he bound his horse here at the wall here and then he went up there and went up to heaven. But, so. they're gonna build that
2: temple now, right next?
1: No, I think that God will never allow them to build in other place than this one. And how it's going to happen, I don't know. But um, it's interesting because when you read in the book of Ezra, it's very, very interesting. Let's see what it says in chapter 2, and I believe it's in verse 68. Something that maybe you haven't seen before, uh, but I think is very interesting. Ezra uh, chapter 2. And there it says in verse. Uh, 68. This is when they are returning from the captivity of Babylon. Some of the heads of the families, when they came to the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem, made free will offerings for the house of God to erect it on its place. And you notice that? In other words, there was no temple here. And yet this place was called the house of the Lord. So the very place with the temple or without the temple is called the house of the Lord. So when the people begin to pray here, really it is restoring sacrifices, you know, in a way. So that's um, how the the building will be erected. I don't know. The most important though is the altar. And I think something of that is going to have to take place before Yeshua returns. All right, any other questions? Is your house on there? No, my house house is way out here. (laughs) Not so far, but you know, you have the walls of the old city here. And I don't know if I have a better picture of it, but it's a little bit further west. Could you touch on
3: the legalities of Jews ascending the Temple Mount and praying on top of the Temple Mount? What happens if they get caught praying?
1: Mm-hmm. So in the Six-Day War, uh, you know, you, uh, Israel retook all of ancient Jerusalem. And you know the famous uh, statement that was made by uh, general. Motagur on the radio. The Temple Mount is in our hands. The Temple Mount is in our hands. Well, that was fantastic and the chief rabbi of the Israeli army ran up here on the Temple Mount and he ordered his soldiers to place the Israeli flag on top of there. He took his shofar, he went in there, placed the Torah scroll there and declared victory. And the general of the army Moshe Dayan said, uh-uh, take down the flag immediately. We don't want this place, because for so long the rabbis had been used to praying here on the Western Wall and uh, because the Muslims were in control of this place. And they said also that we don't know exactly where the holy precinct was here. So in order not to desecrate it, we don't want to go up there. Because for fear of being in God's holy place without being purified. So they had, we got used to this. And the secular, they didn't care. And, And Moshe Dayan said, we don't want to start the third world war here by trying to take over this Muslim holy place. So he returned the keys to the Temple Mount back to the Muslim walk and said, "This is yours. You are you. If this is your religious place. We want to be able to visit here, but we're not going to pray here." So give the devil a little finger, and he will take the whole hand. I mean, from that time, Islam has gathered momentum in a tremendous way and this is the place they're holding on to. They don't care so much about the other because Islam teaches whoever has the keys to the Temple Mount has the key to the world. Christians don't care but Muslims know what this this place means and Jews do too. So um, now today it means that they made a deal with uh, them, not just a walk but with the king of Jordan and they said, you will be custodians of this place and uh, we will, uh, must be allowed to visit here but we're not going to pray here. So the, the Muslims they have been very uh, fanatical about this. So. Uh, about that agreement, that his status quo. Naspati Bennett, for instance, he is a religious person. He tried to change it. It didn't, it didn't take more than two days until he had to apologize and said, we're not going to change the status quo here." So you cannot go up there and pray. You cannot even move your lips in prayer. You cannot even, a, a religious Jew cannot even drink water here. They will escort you away. Why? Because a Jew will not drink water without pronouncing a blessing. And that's forbidden for them in that place. He, you cannot even have a Hebrew letter on you. You have to take out the an, off a necklace if you have, you know, like a hey for life or something like that. So it's very, very strong. But it's trying we're trying to change it and um, but it's not possible right now. Uh, the police will will uh, remove you if you try to pray there. However, there was one day when I went up there and lifted my hands and praised God and was, did whatever I wanted. There was not a Muslim to be seen <laughs> in the entire place. Because that's when the Muslims uh, what you call it, they boycotted their own holy place because Israel had placed uh, metal detectors on all the entrances here. And they said, no way, we're not going to allow any control of Jews on, our, on on this place. So we're not gonna go up there. And we're, by that, they had riots all around here instead. And it didn't take long until both Israel and America, the rest came in, removed the metal detectors, and then they came back. But that first day, when they boycotted the place, I went up there, and I was there. I, I didn't want to go here, because I also have respect for this holy, holy uh, area. So, uh, but I, uh, like, specifically here, I have uh, on my iPhone when they filled me when I was praising God. And we were able to recently, my son-in-law and my son, they head up a ministry called Cry for Zion. And they have been um, connecting with a young Israeli uh, soldier, elite troop soldier who is a Levite and whose passion is to be able to sing like his forefathers did the daily song in the temple. And he went up there, and you can see it on YouTube. If you go to cryforzion.com, you can see when my son in law filmed him here. I believe he was right here. And he's singing one of the songs of ascent, but he's singing in such a way that you cannot see his lips move really. Because if they have seen him move his lips, they could have. Removed it from the place, but that was the first time they said probably in 2,000 years that a, a song of ascent has been sung in that place. It's going to change there. This is the center of the conflict in the world. Who is going to be? And, and this golden dome here is in a, in a sense it is the abomination that causes desolation because since that was built here by Islam millions and millions of both Jews and Christians have been murdered in the name of that God that is worshipped there. It is the abomination that causes desolation. Here is a fantastic thing. Do you have just one minute for me to say this? Yes. Ah, This is so amazing. You know that Yeshua said you will not see me anymore, Jerusalem, until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How well, many have heard that? Right? You can read about it in my book, the latest one, if you can get a copy of it. But that is a quote. Sorry, I dropped something That is a quote from Psalm 118. And what does the rest of that verse say? Very fascinating. Psalm 118, it says in verse 28, blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord we bless you from the house of the lord it is from this place that the welcoming will be given to the messiah by the jewish people that's what the devil knows that's why they cannot even move their (laughs) lips in praise to god they cannot pronounce his name in this place today because they know what is at stake when they say Baruch the Shem Adonai He's going to come. And that's going to be pronounced from there. Not from here, not from anywhere, but from there. Hallelujah! (laughs) You know, for thousands of years, the Jewish people have ever, after every meal, they have prayed in the third blessing. Have mercy, Lord our God upon israel your people upon jerusalem your city upon zion the dwelling place of your glory and upon the kingdom of the house of david your anointed four things 1948 israel was restored first blessing 1967 jerusalem was restored third you know i've on israel your people on jerusalem your city The third one is on Zion, the dwelling place of your Lord. This is still not restored. Back to God. Because when it does, then it says in Psalm 102, when he rebuilds Zion, he shall appear in his glory. And the final one, have mercy upon the kingdom of the house of David, your anointed. The Messiah is going to come with the restoration of this. And we're living... 1948 with the restoration of Israel did not come without war. 1967 with the restoration of Jerusalem did not come without war. And this is not going to come without war either, I am sure. And it's building up. And it's right now, Wow! I just read the news before I came here. This new leader in, in Iran and the takeover of Afghanistan by the Taliban the Hamas they are beginning to really we, we are, we're not gonna let the Jews do what they want in this place we are now strong we're building we're becoming stronger and stronger Naftali Benet, the prime minister today in Israel he's been a very bold minister of defense now he is prime minister he said a year ago we cannot tolerate one rocket from Gaza well Last week they fired a rocket again, and Naftali Bennett goes down there says, "We will respond in our way and our time, which is meaning we don't dare." His government is going to fall if they do something in Gaza, and he knows it. His, his hands are tied. It's a really bad situation. Hezbollah knows it. Hamas knows it. Iran knows it. The Taliban knows it. <coughs> They're closing in on the place. Okay. Any other question?
3: Um, okay, the four things you just
2: mentioned yeah. um, how does that tie in with Amos uh, 9 11
1: through 15 where he says I will rebuild David's fallen tent uh-huh. um, <laughs> yeah David's fallen tent is a, a picture really of the, of the restoration of the uh, kingdom to David and it happened in its first phase when Yeshua came the first time But it's going to happen in his fullness with his return, when he's going to sit down on the throne of his father David. That's the ultimate fulfillment. But building up to that, you said, you know, the restoration of Israel, the capturing of Jerusalem. So this is all. It's the culmination. It's the culmination. It's the final part of it. Have mercy upon uh, the house of uh, David, uh, your anointed. Or the, the soul of your servant, I forget now, and I don't say it in order, I, I forget the word, but you heard it before, so you know. Any other questions? Good. Why is there always reference to the daughters of Zion? Because the Bible is so specific when it talks to different references. Why do they reference the daughters of
2: Zion? Is that just general? general
1: okay, like, I can you why might I can give my take on it. The Daughters of Jerusalem, it means really the people of Jerusalem, those who are uh, living there. And Jerusalem is pictured as the bride. So I would understand, understand that the okay. Daughters of the, uh, of Jerusalem would be a picture of the bride for the Messiah. All right. All right, thank you guys. I'll give you one more round of applause to <laughs> I will put you around there.
3: If you would like to make a donation to his ministry, you can do that directly to him, or you can make a check out to Dothan Messianic Fellowship and just put on the memo line, give it to Miss Joanne, put on the memo line for uh, for Lars, and she will then write that check over to Lars as well, okay? So uh, you can donate to his ministry, buy his books,
2: and just tell him how much you appreciate him coming to Dothan. And uh,